Alrighty. We're going to nuke a subject this morning. Don't do this very often, but there's just way too much. So this will be tonight's message too. When we get to a certain point here, I'll try to look at the clock once in a while. Jacob, if you'll just point up once in a while, I'll, when it gets about noon, then I'll just cut it off and we'll come back tonight and we'll, yeah, we'll just start again where we left off. We won't start over. All right. Bow with me. Father, thank you for the time we've had here this morning. Thank you for the songs we've sang and Thank you for those songs that somebody wrote out of joy and gladness of their heart because of you and your promises and their experience and their, of your faithfulness. Lord, I pray we'd have a song. We wouldn't just hear these songs and sit like a stump, but Lord, that we would realize in our own heart the same joy and gladness that these people who wrote these songs had, that brought these songs into existence for us to be blessed with. Now, Lord, we pray you'd help us this morning with your word and this subject here. And I pray that it would, that we'd all be honest enough to look at ourselves and not others. Uh, it's too easy to identify this in others, but not very easy for ourselves. And that's about the way it is with all of our problems. I pray you'd help us each one to have a good, honest look at our own heart and mind and attitude and and then do something repent of the problem the evil that's we've allowed to be in us and and refuse it reject it turn from it and go the other way lord help us pray in jesus name amen now what what are you going to talk about rotten pride that's the title of the message rotten pride I look back to see how long it's been since I preached on pride. And it's been a long time. And I thought, why is that? Since it's the main problem that we have. It's the root of all the problems we have. It leads to everything that's wrong and evil. And, I've just, and I'm not going to tear because I've got too much to say here. But pride is a big thing. And it ought to be hammered often. And all of us need to be punched right in the nose with it often. So we realize we're always looking out. We never look in, mm-hmm. not nearly often enough. Yes, sir. There's very few things in our life that make us look in upon ourselves. And uh, so preaching is one of them. Hopefully it'll do that this morning. Pride, Proverbs sixteen eighteen. Pride goeth before destruction. Now how many times have you heard that? How many times have you read that? And in haughty spirit before a fall. Then why is there still so much pride in the churches, in the church? How come there's still so much pride? If it goes before destruction, and you know that, you say you believe the Bible. And if it goes before, a fall goes before a haughty spirit, then why is there so many haughty spirits still? There's only one answer. Don't believe the Bible. Or you think you're going to chance it and, and gamble with it and win somehow. Did you ever think about that? Same reason people spend their money on lottery tickets. Yes. It's gambling, but it's a... Uh, we saw about the other day, somebody, it's a tax on people who are bad at math. <laughs> you know. Or a tax on stupidity. That's what it's uh, been referred to. But... Pride, dictionary, I, I trimmed this down a little. The dictionary has a lot more to say about it, but here's the essence of what it is. It's inordinate self-esteem. That means it has no basis. It's no basis in fact. Inordinate, it's just something we grab onto and imagine. It's a lie that we believe about ourselves. Inordinate self-esteem. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Now, the world's message is self-esteem. You need, to, you need to think more of yourself than you do. They, the world thinks the problem is everybody has too low of opinion of themselves. My, have they got it upside down. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority. 
They feel like they're better than everybody else, smarter than everybody else, wiser than everybody else, better at everything than everybody else. That's what pride is. Of course, I know uh, so far there ain't nobody here uh, admitted that that's me. <laughs> no. So, the, you're, so far, you're just saying, I know what he's talking about. I know some people just like it. Here's their names. It's an it's a unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority which manifests itself in lofty airs, a nose in the air. Uh, distance, separating yourself from somebody. Bible talks about people that do that are sensual and says a bunch of other bad things about them who separate themselves. And it's talking about religious people it's particularly who separate themselves. We're to be separate from the world, but not like that. Not to get away from you like, you know, like you stink or something, you know, just... Well, we know better than you. <laughs> you know, that's what it means. That's what it's meaning there. Lofty airs. This is how pride manifests itself. Lofty airs. Distance. Reserve. Reserve. <clears throat> Do you like people who act that way around you? Reserve. Like, you know, they just keep you at a distance. Like, I mean... You don't have to act that out. You get the feeling, don't you? You get the message yes. without them acting it out so brazenly. But And often, here's the big deal. Contempt of others. Contempt of others. That's, that's, a, that's a signal of pride. Pride does that. Well, contempt, what does that mean? It, it means the act of despising, the act of viewing or considering well, and treating as vile and worthless other people, having disdain for them. The word, that's the word, <clears throat> this word here, contempt, is one of the strongest expressions of a belittling opinion that the language affords. That's one of the strongest words. If you have contempt for somebody, I mean, you just, you just can't stand them. You just despise them. You, you just esteem them as stupid, worthless, ignorant, of no account, not worthy of your attention or help or sympathy or anything. That is pride. That's pride. Haughty means proud and disdainful, having a high opinion of oneself with contempt for others. Lofty and arrogant, supercilious, which means the same thing as all the rest of it. You just think you're better than everybody else. Think you're smarter than everybody else. Think you're above everybody else. That somehow everybody else just needs you to tell them everything they need to know. Here's the clear evidence of pride in its very definition that we just read. It, if we feel superior to others, that is Pride. Yes, sir. Do you feel superior to others? I ain't talking about feeling superior to black people or something like that. Do you just feel like you're just walking on a different level than everybody else? You're just in a different realm than everybody else. If we have contempt for others, that's pride. Mm -hmm. I just can't stand them. Mm -hmm. uh, you just make me sick. Terrible. Pride. Yeah. That's what it is. And it is sin. Yes. Pride is a sin. Now you need to get that because we're going to hammer it out here. The Bible is so full of it. Every once in a while I'll just go to digging around in something like this and it just, I just am overwhelmed because there's a, every time you stick your shovel in the ground, out rolls more than you expected. And that's the way this is. The Bible is so full of this. And it is the major problem. And I don't know how in the world. Here, here we go. Pride is literally the original sin. Did you know that? I don't know how, where they come up with all that stuff. and the, What kind of minds and how did it stick and all of that. Here's the original sin. Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 15. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? <clears throat> For thou hast said... In thine heart, 
I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. <laughs> now, where's the original sin? Adam in the garden? No, it was Lucifer in heaven! What was the sin? Pride. It's the original sin. In fact, it's what all other sin springs from. It's involved in every other sin. <clears throat> Pride is the sin we're most tempted to. We major on other things. And I know, you know, preachers and churches that's made it their ministry and their whole statement of faith, really, and everything is over, over vices. You know, carnal vices like smoking and drinking and all that. Well, yeah, it's all wrong. But man, why ain't we digging deeper than that? Pride is the sin we're most tempted to. Every one of us here. We got to fight it, fight it, fight it, fight it. It's, it just will not die. The devil is always there to throw that into the mix. And it always causes all kinds of problems. It's the, it's the sin we're most tempted to. It's the first sin mentioned in the list of things that God hates. You ever notice that? It's, yeah. It's the only source. Are you hearing me? It is the only source of contention and strife. The only source. Yeah. Proverbs 13, verse 10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Only by pride cometh contention. Now, that is what the Bible says. That is what the Bible means. God meant for us to understand that exactly as it is. Pride is the only source of contention. It precedes every contention. It's a, it's a gateway. It's the gateway to all sin and condemnation. They talk about gateway drugs. Pride is the gateway to all sin and all condemnation. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. It says about the qualifications of a bishop, not a novice lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. There it is, talking about a man being a bishop of a church. Not, not a novice, not a beginner, not a young man that doesn't know anything, or not an old man that just got saved and started. Not to be a pastor, a bishop. Because what's going to happen to him? What's most likely to happen to him? Pride's going to get him. And he's going to fall into the condemnation of the devil. God will most certainly destroy the proud. Now that's one thing that I can't even begin to count in the Bible, the times. Because the word, it's worded differently and all that. But everywhere I looked, every time I turned around, there was again the assurance and the promise that God is going to destroy the proud. He's going to bring it down. If it's you, me, whoever it is. If it's a nation, down they're going to go. Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 14 and 50. <laughs> 14 and 50. <laughs> Let me start over. Ezekiel 16, 49 and 50. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. You know what the first word is? The first iniquity of Sodom. Whoa, Sodomites! No, 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 no. no. They were Sodomites because... They were proud. Yes. Maybe you don't know. Let me read it again. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the heart or the hand of the poor and needy. Well, pride keeps you from having compassion. Pride keeps you from caring. Pride keeps you from having patience with people. Pride prohibits all of that. Sodom. Sodom. That's why Sodom was destroyed. The, the homosexuals and all of that, they were the fruit of pride. That's where it led to. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. 
Therefore I took them away as I saw good. That's the Lord talking. He took them away immediately, instantly. Rained fire and brimstone out of heaven upon them. Got rid of them. Put an end to their pride, to their haughtiness. Those that have, and, and we're no different than them. Not a bit. God will do the same thing to pride. He, that's how He deals with it. Those that have a haughty spirit and have a high opinion of themselves and look with contempt upon others will be brought down, either by repentance or by ruin. Two ways out of it. Those are the two ways. You repent of it or you are ruined by it. It is the honor of God to humble the, the proud. That's His job, not our job. We can't do it. We can... Man, we can... Uh, it's just kind of like a fool. You can grind him to powder in a pestle, in a mortar with a pestle. But you're not going to grind his foolishness out of him. And it's the same way with the proud. When, you, when we try to deal with pride in somebody else, it's our pride that's the motive. Yeah. And they answer in their pride. It's only God that can deal with it. It's an act of justice when those who have lifted up themselves are laid low. And everybody rejoices when the proud are put in their place. Right? The bad guy. When he loses, everybody's happy. Everybody's not happy when the bad guy wins. Are bad guys proud? Always. 100% of the time. Yeah, and they've got it sticking out all over them. I've said it to you many times, but I believe it's Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I think I said his name right. He said that pride grows on a human heart like lard on a hog. Yeah. And he had it right. Pride's the only thing that makes everybody else sick except the one that has it. That's right. That's how blind we are to it ourselves. To our own pride. We're keen to it in somebody else. We can sip on it right away. I heard a preacher one time and he preached against mustaches because there was a guy there with a mustache. Now this is a long time ago when all that was, you know, taboo. But that preacher that preached on mustaches wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat with his nose in the air and he strutted around like... And he did. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making it ill. My family knows who I'm talking about. But he preached on somebody else's pride as he perceived it, but he couldn't see nothing in his own cell. Everybody else could. Not him. And I'm telling you, that's not just him. That's everybody. That's just the way it is. A lot of people have this hum humble facade on them, veneer, and they act real humble, but boy, you just, you just sock it with a hammer a couple of times and you'll see the pride come running out of it. They're really proud. They just keep it hidden. It's just a real problem. Pharaoh, Sennacherib, Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, and a whole long list of people in the Bible show us clearly how God deals with a proud person. What happened to Pharaoh? He drowned in the Red Sea. And, the, and he was, his body was washed up on the shore. How did God deal with Nebuchadnezzar? <laughs> yeah, for seven long years he had to eat grass and, live, and he was out of his mind like an animal until he knew that God ruled in heaven. I have a little more to say about him later, but God did, how'd God deal with Herod? You know, yes. What happened there? He, the, the people said, his voice is like the voice of a God. And while the words were still in their mouths, the worms ate him. Yep. He died right there. What was Nebuchadnezzar doing when the Lord said, Bam! On him. He, the glory of my kingdom and my great power and my majesty and my, 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 my. Ain't I something? I did all this. Well, if we're proud, we can just add our name among that list. Just add your name to the list and expect the same from God. When we, what well, do you think God would do that to them and not to you for? 
How could I think he'll punish people like that? But he wouldn't do that to me because he loves me and I'm not proud. <laughs> you sorry people that don't understand nothing. You know, that kind of attitude. When we see a proud person, we can rest in the fact that God will bring them down also just as he did all these. Proud people are usually the most proud and haughty just before their destruction. Think about that. So much so that it's a, it's just a, a sure sign that they're on the brink of it. Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, as I just mentioned, what were they doing when it was the last straw with God? There's a last straw for me, for you, for everybody. Who was God deal with us more about than anything else? It better be your pride. Yep. The more confident and sure of ourselves we become, the more sure it is that our own destruction is at hand, and that goes for all of us. Now, God hates pride. See, we're having a pride Sunday here. Now, we're talking about pride. <laughs> they had a month, what is June? Pride month where you celebrate pride. What are they proud of? Their sin. And their wickedness and their hatred for God. God hates pride. Proverbs 6, verse 16 and 17, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto Him. A proud look, number one. A proud look, number one. A lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. It's the most practiced sin of all, including those who claim to be saved. You'd think, well, you'd think it's dope or cigarettes or, or liquor or adultery or something like that. No, pride out, out does them all. all. Pride is the greatest sin of all. Because it absolutely covers everything. It brings us under the umbrella with everything else. It's the most celebrated sin, especially in the time in which we live. Pride is a thing that... You, you talk about the sodomites and you don't like that. Well, what about the patriots? What are they celebrating? They're not celebrating love for their country. They're celebrating, celebrating pride. Not for their country, but in themselves, really. You've got to think about that. If you think about that, you'd resign from that club. Everyone who is proud is an abomination to the Lord. Now that means extreme hatred and detestation. Proverbs 16 verse 5, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You're not going to be proud and God not do something about it. There's an end of that walk. There's an end of that way, that proud walk, that proud look, that proud way. There's a, there's a time, there's a place where you'll, you'll pull the last one, the last proud act, and God will fix you. He'll either take you out like He did Sodom, or He'll, put you, he'll take things away from you to where you'll be humble like Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all listening? You believe that's a reality? I know it's a reality. I've seen people humbled. I have been humbled. And it don't happen easily. I mean, you just have to about lose everything and everything in you before you will be humbled. Unless God just destroys you. It takes you out. It takes a lot. It takes more than just a little whooping. A slap on the hand. A scolding. A little bit of suffering or loss. Takes a lot more than that to humble a man or a woman. You have to be emptied. You have to be emptied. That's why it's so hard for people to get saved. It's because you have to, you have to die. Which is, you get, it's all gone. For you to get saved, you have to give up your pride. And people are, they're, they're willing to do anything but that. That's another thing about pride. It is the last thing that people will give up. They'll give up their money. They'll give up 
their life as far as their career or anything. They can do that and still hang on to their pride. Mm-mm-mm. Does see what I mean? It's a deeper, it's a deeper pit than we're used to thinking that it is. So everything that springs from pride or is a source of pride is wrong and not of God. Now I hear people saying they're proud of their kids. They're proud of their church. Boy, they're sure proud. Dirk. I've heard it said a lot of times. Boy, I'm sure proud to be a Christian. <laughs> that don't, that just don't go together. I mean, it's like inserting a cuss word in there. Something more. Well, you're praising God and insert a cuss word. I'm proud to be a Christian. I sure am proud to be a member of this church. I sure am proud that I am not like that publican over there. That's what that, that was what the problem was right there. I've heard testimonies where people, they don't use the word pride, but it's all through their testimony. That they're just so glad that they're not like these people that just ended up in sin and all that. Well, proud ain't the thing. Thankful is the thing. And, and thankful to God, not to myself, because I was smart enough to make the right decisions. And I was smart enough to go to the right church. And that's what saved me. No, no, no. Well, I said everything that springs from pride or is a source of pride is wrong and out of God, uh, not of God. You know, this will get me in trouble with a lot of people, but that includes patriotism. Now listen to me closely. We should love our country. It's where we live. It's where our children live. It's where our neighbors live. It's where we make our living. It's where we'll die and where we'll be buried, most likely. It's the, it is the place on earth where whatever we do in life and whatever is the fruit of our life will exist. So we ought to care about it. I'm not saying hate America. But this patriotism deal is another thing altogether. It's about pride. Now, what is there to be proud about in our country right now? And I'm talking about our government, the, the, the powers that be in this land. What have we got to be proud of? What have we got to be proud of with what the way the rest of the world perceives us? Nothing to be proud of. We've got things in the past that are a blessing to us. But even that, that's not something to be proud of to identify with when it's not really us. Why did those people do what they did? Why did they make the sacrifices they did? Why did they give their lives and their fortunes and their sacred honor? Why did they pledge it and give it? They gave it. They didn't just promise. They did it. And most of them paid that very price. They did it for their posterity. For their children, their grand. That's very honorable. But pride. Where does pride enter into this? When we think about all of that, we ought to just be thanking God for people like that that lived in this land or on this earth. That ought to be our feelings, our reaction, our thoughts, our concepts about it all. Where does all this pride business come from? Well, it don't come from God. Anything that produces pride doesn't come from God. If it doesn't come from God, where does it come from? It's a trick of the devil that he plays on foolish hearts that don't pay any attention and are not keeping the gates of their mind. That's where it comes from. We ought to love our country. Not be proud of it. If we loved our country, we would do those things that, that promote its well-being and its safety, and its continued existence. If we loved our country, now what would do that? If my people, which are called by my name, you get it? Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Now if we love our country, we'd do that. If we're proud of our country, we only expect more benefits for ourselves. Yes, sir. 
You know, <laughs> I'm elaborating on this a little bit because I, I know the opposition to it, what I'm talking about here. But, you know, even John F. Kennedy back in the early 60s, y'all know the most famous thing that he said. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what your country can, what you can do for your country. Well, see, that's a Democrat way back yonder when people still had an idea of what patriotism was about. It was about loving your country, sacrificing for your country. If you love your country, you'll sacrifice for your country. Now we're waving flags every Sunday, every 4th of July in the churches and putting on this big fireworks show and everybody's acting like that and they, they won't fight. They wouldn't give nothing to save this country, let alone their life. It's pride. This old ugly, selfish pride. That's what's counted as patriotism in our day. You're not patriotic if you don't participate in all of that lies and pride and nonsense. Proud, flag-waving people who are proud of their country the way it is have something very important missing in their hearts and in their understanding. Our attitude towards sin and righteousness and God Himself can spring from pride. you hear me there? Now leave the patriotism and let's go on. Our attitude towards sin and righteousness and God Himself can spring from pride. And I'm talking about people who claim to be Christians, profess to be Christians, and they have a, a mean attitude toward sinners and other people because of sin. You can, in righteousness, they can be proud because of their righteousness. The Pharisees were. That was the deal. They took great pride in all of their religious things. Well, what was wrong with them? Well, they loved the uppermost seats in the in the synagogue, and they they liked to wear those phylacteries around their neck, and they liked to be called Rabbi Rabbi in the streets because they they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Why? Pride. That's the answer, isn't it? Yes, sir. It absolutely is. And if 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 our concept of these things are that way, then, then we're being manipulated by the devil. We're not really a Christian. If pride is all over us, it cannot be. We can't be like the devil and, and known by the first sin that was ever committed and still be regenerated. Love God. On our way to heaven. Separates the goats from the sheep. This really does. Now God keeps His distance from the proud. Proud people don't even get close to the Lord. So how can you be a proud Christian even any, any more than you can be a carnal Christian or a worldly Christian? or You know, how is that? You can be a proud Christian. The very thing that God hates, you can be. It can be your character, but you're still a, a Christian and on your way to heaven. If no sin's going to enter into heaven... Well, you think, how do you think pride's going to enter there? What happened when pride showed its face in heaven? Jesus said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Yep. God didn't let him down easy. I mean, wham, he's out. You think anybody else going to get in? Think anybody else going to march in there, their nose in the air? Nope, 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 nope. Proud people don't get close to the Lord. Proverbs 1, or, I'm sorry, Psalms 138, verse 6. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. There's so many verses that I don't even think I've written down here, but God resisteth the proud. He don't just ignore them, he fights against them. I mean, God shoves them back. A professing Christian is a hypocrite if he's full of pride. That goes for everybody. I don't care who they are. goes for me too. A professing Christian is a hypocrite if he's full of pride. Uh, God doesn't just ignore those who are proud. He, he fights against them. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 5. This is the verse I think I just quoted. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. This is the order of things. Submit. Why, why wouldn't people submit? What's the deal there? What causes people to be rebellious? Against God? Against the, uh, the God-ordained authority that has been put over them? Whatever they were put into this world? I mean, if you're a child, you're under your parents. If you're a woman and married, your, wife, your husband is your head. And, and if you're a man, God is your head. Even the centurion recognized in Jesus that he was a man set under authority. Jesus didn't walk in this earth like, I'm here to tell you what to do and how it is. And you better listen to me. Because I got the right to tell you what... No, Jesus. They didn't perceive Jesus that way at all. A Roman centurion perceived Jesus as a man who had an authority over him. <laughs> so what is it that makes somebody resist authority, resist order, refuse to submit, always a bucking? What is it that makes a man do that? Or a woman? Pride. Nothing else but pride. It's only by pride cometh contention. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. How about that? And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. <laughs> Therefore, if we're proud of ourselves, we've, we've made ourselves the enemy of God. God just won't even put up with the proud person. Psalm 101, verse 5. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath an high look and a proud heart will, I, will not I suffer. He ain't going to put up with it. He's saying gonna put, God ain't going to put up with it. People are different. <clears throat> Sometimes people will admire, admire pride in other people. That's why they have a month of pride. So everybody can admire the proud who are proud of their sin. Pride easily. It's easily identified by others. Because it's evident even in the countenance. A high look. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. Through the pride of his countenance. You hear that? He won't seek after God. That's what I told you a while ago. Pride is the biggest obstacle to being saved. Because it has to go. You have to humble yourself. It's a, it's a prerequisite for everything. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble them, then... Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due season. There's other verses. I think we're going to read them here later. A high look is accompanied by haughty words and attitudes. Haughty. High. Did you ever have somebody give you a snooty answer about something? How do you react? Almost always, you react in your pride. Yes. Ain't got no right to talk to me like that. What do you mean ain't got no... Where did we get this deal about I got rights? If you really get born again, you, you give up your rights. You don't claim to have any rights. Why should you have any rights? You remember, we had a friend in another church. She was about my wife's age. She got cancer. And she was talking to her mother. Her mother was all broke up about it. And her mother was saying, why you? Why you? And she said, Mom, why not me? Why should I be above everybody else? Why should everybody else get cancer and, and I don't? Why not me? Well, see, that's the right attitude. But if there's pride in there, it is like, why me? Why me? What, why not them? I'm better than them. I live for God and I've done right and I've... Uh, why does this have to happen to me? 
Well, if you really trust God, believe God's Word, His promises, you just, in all things, give thanks. There's a reason. There's a purpose. God, His divine wisdom, He knows what He's doing. And don't we present our body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service? God can do with whatever He wants to with my body. He bought it with His blood. He bought me. It's His body. Whether you're saved or lost, that's God's body. You're just using it like stolen property. You're like a squatter that's moved into somebody's house while they're gone and won't leave. That's what you're like if you're lost and claiming it's my body. How would you like if somebody stole your car? And it was your car and you knew it was your car. And they wouldn't give it back. They said, it's mine. I'm going to do with it what I want to. And they got out and just spun donuts and did everything and crashed it into trees and stuff. And it's your car and you know it is. No justice in that, is there? Well, that's how it is with a sinner and a claiming his own body. So it really doesn't matter what other people do to us or say to us or how they treat us. What rights do we think we have? Except for, the only way we think we have rights is if we are proud. And we think we have a, an exaggerated, what was the word? Uh, I paused on it a while ago in the definition and, and mentioned it here. An unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority. It's, uh, yeah, inordinate self-esteem. That's pride. Okay, let me find my place again here. Uh, here we go. Pride's not so easily identified in ourselves. Now, we can see it in other people real easily, but, but not in ourselves because our pride makes us deceive ourselves. Did you know pride is a lie? It's all based on a lie. Jeremiah 49 and verse 16. The, the terribleness, thy terribleness hath deceived thee. And the pride of thine heart. What deceived him? Oh, his, his overwhelming presence and his pride. He's lied to you, buddy. He's lied to you, mister. He's made you think you're more than you really are. You ain't nothing but a bunch of dust with a little bit of water holding it together. That's all you are. You can be gone... Uh, one of your little thin tissue, thin veins or arteries in your brain can go pop and you're, that's it. A thousand million other things can happen in that body of yours and, and you're just as fragile as a grasshopper. Stand there with your head and your chest puffed out and your head sticking up in the air. And <laughs> Pride so easily identified. That's what he's saying here. Thy terribleness has deceived thee in the pride of thine heart, O thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, and that holdest the height of the hill. Though thou shouldest make thy nest as high as the eagle, I will bring thee down from thence, saith the Lord. You'll always find that. That'll always be part of God. When he's speaking about pride in somebody, he said, you're fixing to come down. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you out. I'm going to fix your pride one way or another. You're going to be humbled or you're going to be taken out. Obadiah 3, the pride of thine heart hath deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, who shall bring me down to the ground? And if you go on and read, you'll find out he said the same thing. You're about over. Pride is hatched from a lie that we tell ourselves about ourselves. <laughs> Uh, are you still listening? Yes. Are you looking in yourself? Yes. We can believe we're more knowledgeable and wise and strong in the Lord and account it all to God and all of it be nothing more than pride in our own heart. Get that. That happens more than not. People... I've seen it all through my life. It answers so many questions for me about people I've known and what they did and the things they did and the way they were and how they... It just didn't seem right. But that answers the question right there. I've known a lot of people and, 
and I can run through my mind and I can and I can do this just sorts it all out for me. People that I've known that were really humble. And then people I've known that were just so full of pride that it just it was just oozing out of them. And it, it is it, it it's not a pleasant thing for any of us when a person is proud and when we sense that in somebody else. Is it? No, we re, we revolt at it. It's unpleasant. We know it's wrong. It's like a stink. And we want to get away from it. It's the thing that makes us not trust them. It removes all of the things that should be there between uh, two Christians. There's just no witness of the Spirit when it's a proud person. I don't care if he's a preacher, a president of a whole association or what. There's just no witness there. Those who fear the Lord hate pride and arrogance. They hate it in themselves and in others. We all hate it in other people. But we don't hate it in ourselves. We feel we've got a right to be proud. We feel we've got a right to feel the way we do about ourselves. We've been taught and brainwashed all of our lives. That's the way you're supposed to be. You're supposed to look out for yourself. What's the motto? Make America first. You know, make America great. America first. That's the motto, isn't it? Us first. Well, let's just translate that over to individuals. Now, we're going to have our Sunday night fellowship next month. So what if everybody's just pushing in the shoving, saying, me first, me first. What, you going to, what, what will that cause? Trouble. You remember Brother Earl? He read that scripture about to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He said, I don't care if the Jew's first. He said, as long as I can get in line somewhere, I don't have to be first. <laughs> he was a humble man. He really was. I never. I can't think of a thing that I ever heard him say or seen him do or the looks on his... I don't believe I ever seen anything that would indicate any kind of pride. Not all people I've known have been that way. I've only known a few like that, really. Those who fear the Lord hate pride and arrogance in themselves as well as others. You ever... Have you ever seen it in yourself and said that that's wrong? Have you ever got that far? Have you ever just thought about something you said and then thought, oh, I'm ashamed of myself? You gotta, I mean, <laughs> that's just barely beginning to scratch at the surface of dealing with it in your own heart. Just realizing. You know, I hope they didn't think because I looked at them that way <laughs> that I was thinking less of them or had contempt for them. Or Proverbs 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward mouth do I hate. All those things go together, you see. Pride and arrogancy. One of the clearest evidences of a state of degeneration in a person is pride. It's one of those red flag markers. How can you be regenerated, born again? That means you've been emptied of yourself. It's what Jesus was talking about. If a man loses his life, he'll gain. You know, if, if a man keeps his life, he'll lose it. But if he'll lose his life for my sake, he'll find it. That's what he, I mean, it's what we say when we get baptized. I'm crucified with Christ. The, the old man is dead. He's dead. The Bible says so repeatedly. The New Testament. The old man is dead. The life, the, uh, he said, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, Paul said, uh, for me, uh, help me get started. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The life that I now live in the flesh, by the way. I left that out. So, I'm dead, but I'm alive. 
And the life that I'm alive with now is Christ living in me. Where's the place where pride fits in all of that? Where can it rest? Where can it abide in that life? There's not a place for it. Not a place. Romans 1, verse 30, I said one of the clearest evidences that of a state of degeneration in a person is pride. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud. There it is right in the middle of it. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, proud. Pride goes with all of that. Jacob, you haven't flagged me yet. It is five minutes after. Pride's an awful thing. It's, it's the root of, of everything. And we need to look in our own selves. Hang on a minute here. I want to say this before we stop here, and then we'll just go ahead and stop like I promised to do here. But pride always accompanies sin. It's the response of a guilty conscience to manifest pride in their transgressions. I wish the Sodomites could hear me say that. How can they be proud when they ought to be ashamed? Well, it's the response of a reprobate mind and a heart that is condemned. And they know it. That's their problem. That's why they're... It's a, severe, it's a, it's a, a real... I want to say severe, but that's not the right word. It's a, it's a very serious transgression. And so the guilt is very heavy. And in order to deal with it, they come up with this pride. I can't, it's hard for me to imagine such an upside down way of thinking. But it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, to just roll you over who think it's an evil thing or would dare to say it's an evil thing or a transgression against God. It's the response of a guilty conscience. Jesus condemned pride as an evil thing that comes from an evil heart. In Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23, He said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy. We hear all that, don't you? Bad stuff. You know what the next one is? P-R-I-D-E, pride and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man or the woman. Pride. I think one of the great things that the, the previous generations put in people, in their children... Is that right there? I think they they grew up humbled instead of doted upon and spoiled and had things lavished on them and lazy, didn't have to work, didn't have to suffer. Just make it easy on the children. And how do they turn out? Proud. What was the sin of Sodom? Pride. But what were the other two? Fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. What is this generation? The children we watch. Now, most of them, what are they doing? Even in the the church children, what do they do? They eat everything they want, when they want it, and they don't do anything except just sit around and watch TV or fight with one another. They don't have anything to do. They're bored. And they have all they want as far as pleasure and all of that. That's the sin of Sodom. So don't be surprised when a generation like that turns to be sodomites. And don't be surprised when they're proud. And it's like y'all were talking before church there. No respect. That's that's pride. I was thinking while you was talking, you know, like in Spanish, it's, it's a part of the language overall. It's not just yes sir and no sir and yes ma'am, no ma'am or that kind of stuff. It's a, the language. You don't talk to a child. You'd use a totally different set of rules for talking to a child than you do to an adult or an older person. Yeah. It's formal or informal. 
And I, every word changes. I mean, all of the, you change the whole way you speak. It's not just a, a word here and there. And so, all of us, me too. When I preach something like this to you, it goes for me too. We're sometimes perceived as being proud when it's really not that. Uh, you know, Joseph, uh, Joseph, uh, not Joseph, David, when he went out to where Goliath was threatening, you remember what his brother said? Thy naughtiness and the pride of thine heart. Well, that wasn't David's motive at all. So even people who don't know, they're able to, rec- they're able to use it as a weapon, see? So that means that me as a preacher, all of us as Christians, need to be very careful how we talk to people, how we, the tone of our voice, the way we phrase things, because it can be perceived as pride. And that kills it right there. That just kills it right there. We're not going anywhere with somebody, a lost person, if they perceive that we're speaking in the pride of our heart. All right, I will quit. We'll pick it up tonight. I still got a lot more to say than I've even got there. But let's 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 have a word of prayer. And I just pray you will, all of us will, search our hearts and be honest with ourselves, <laughs> and then put it in practice, not just add it to the the books we're keeping of knowledge and all of that, but that it'll make a real difference in how we deal with one another. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for showing us these things and reminding us. <clears throat> Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you'd convict us of this in our hearts and that we would do as the psalmist and say with, with an honest heart, search me, O God, and know my heart. And, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I pray that we would be that honest to lay ourselves open before you and let you put your finger on this, this terrible thing that's like a cancer in our soul and that we would see it removed from our being and that we would walk humbly before you. Uh, Just give us that understanding. Spirit of God, work in us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's not a happy sermon, is it? It's It's not really what we want to hear. Churches can be proud too. Just churches can be proud. I've been in them before. I've participated with them before. But I understand better now. What do we got to be proud? Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Boy, that just pretty well. <laughs> I mean, that puts us in our place, don't it? How much can I get done without Him? Nothing. Not anything of value. Whatever I do on my own, it doesn't count. It's going to be mixed with things that will ruin it all, spoil it all. It's not pure. Yeah, when God's in it, then it's pure. If God works through us, then it'll be pure. And we're supposed to be servants. Yes. Servants are in a humble position. That's right. We don't like that. It's true. No, well, it's like Gary in Sunday school talking about. We weren't, you know, I didn't... And since I've been saved, most of the time, I've not been in an uh, environment that, that talked about that. I had a friend, and he went to one of these independent Baptist schools and everything, and he told me years later, he said they they had this philosophy of they were going to raise a generation of leaders. And he said it was wrong. He said they should have been they should have been thinking about raising a generation of servants. Boy, he had it. He nailed it. That's exactly right. Yeah, that raising leaders didn't work out too well. You don't teach them out of a book. You teach them by example. Example is the strongest influence. Yes, sir. Paul said in First Corinthians that he was least of the apostles. Yes. And then in Ephesians, he said he was least of all the saints. Yeah. 
And then finally, you realize in First Timothy, he said he was the greatest of sinners. Yeah. All that just shows that he was emptied of pride because he was full of it before he was saved. And uh, I don't mean that Paul went around sinning all the time or that he didn't. He wrote most of the New Testament, least of the apostles, but that's the way he perceived himself, which was just the way it's supposed to be. We ought to all look upon ourselves that way. And the closer you get to God, I think the more you will be like that. Wasn't his affliction too to keep him humble as well? Yeah, yeah. He gave him a thorn in the flesh Mm -hmm. to to buffet him Mm -hmm. so that he wouldn't be exalted through the abundance of the revelation. Mm -hmm. He knew more than other people during his time and he knew that he knew more but he didn't want to be proud about it. I mean, that was the thing. And that's why he said, most gladly, therefore, I'll just suffer it. If that's what it takes to keep me under and from getting my nose in the air, why, thank you, Lord, I'll just suffer. It's quite different from today that people that claim to have been to heaven and are so proud (laughs) of the fact that they were so privileged. And it's like, oh. (laughs) Yeah. Paul said he saw things that were unlawful for a man to utter. Why you know these people that claim that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> John started to write, and they, and they said, "Nope, don't write that." Yeah. So he didn't. Mm-hmm. He saw things. Then. Amen. All right, now I let you out a little early here. So, Lord, bless it to our hearts.